Okay, good morning. Welcome back. Today will be episode 32, discussion of uh, Nityananda's Chittagash Gita, uh, translated into the book Voice of the Self by M.P. Pandit. And last time we ended on page, the end of page 31. I just want to make a couple of notes beforehand. So I said it's Thursday, October 29th. Um, number one, YouTube is unstable. <laughs> I sometimes have trouble checking into Google even. Uh, meaning I can't upload if, if Google freaks out with its security settings. So please um, observe that there is a podcast channel which is updated regularly. It's uh, usually a, a week or two behind um, the YouTube uploads. Uh, but uh, there are nearly 555 talks there, 553. And so there's a lot to look into. Nearly everything um, from the YouTube channel is there. And that is HTTP, no www, HTTP talkswithscottmandelker.blogspot.com. Talkswithscottmandelker.blogspot.com. And there's actually another channel which is um, the raw material uh, podcasts or uh, the raw material uploads in an audio form. And that is HTTP, the law of one podcast, <laughs> the law of one podcast.blogspot.com. And that has all the raw material plus all book three reading and... Um, there are like over a hundred or a few, two, 230 or 50 talks there. So bookmark that or keep that in mind just in case YouTube's not around or I'm not around on YouTube. Also, um, uh, yeah, that's enough, I guess, for now. So, so keep that in mind. And, uh, oh, yeah, the thing is that in my two classes weekly that are the feeder for the YouTube channel and the podcasts where these lectures are given once or twice a week, uh, sometimes we have one week in a month where we just have a group discussion for the whole two and a half hours. Those groups are not open anymore, but sometimes we have a two and a half hour group discussion. And so there, those will be the weeks in which there won't be an upload. And so... Once a month, you may find that <clears throat> there's a either of the series, Sutta Napata or the Nityananda reading, will be skipped that week, and it's not a problem. It just means that we, I'm not around, or somebody's not around, or we spent the group in um, discussion of personal process and world process. So let's go to the reading. At the bottom of <clears throat> um, page 31 on the PDF. Uh, Nityananda makes a couple of points that I would review very, very briefly. Uh, in general, he's making clear distinction between more important and less important, supremely important and unimportant, uh, the inner and the uh, levels of mind consciousness, mind spirit, are considered more important than the outer and, and body activity. And so there's a difference between ritual and mind transformation. There's a difference between uh, the world of forms and a realization of the one that recognizes the world of forms, meaning self-realization <clears throat> uh, is considered a higher goal <laughs> than uh, attachment to outer material objects, including relationship and social position. And so he said, he is at the bottom of 31. He is a beast who does not know the true goal of life. The goal is desirelessness. And so uh, cook and then eat. Thought is the fire, buddhi the vessel, and mukti the goal. Thought, I believe the, translate, the, the original Sanskrit or word was probably um, manas. And so the capacity to think uh, itself um, transforms um, the self uh, in whatever way one is thinking. 
So out of thinking comes speech and deed. Out of the consequences of speech and deed comes some change to the subject. And when one is rightly doing the fulfilling the goal of life, human life, which is desirelessness, which is enlightenment, which is self-realization, which is freedom, mukti, um, one cooks, mana, the cooking of manas is held in the vessel of buddhi. The cooking or the activity of mind, which is thought form production, manas, very similar to samskara, sankara, fourth skanda, thought form production, and, and will, uh, the personal will directed uh, in mental process, uh, is directed to uh, the higher mind rather than the outer world. And when, it's direct, when the higher mind is the place in which um, mind seeks, then one may find greater liberation. So I'm going to read <clears throat> through pages 32 and 33, and um, let's see if we can, or I can, do commentary on those two pages at least in today's session. So, top of page 32, Voice of the Self, that Yunanda said, The dwelling is one eternal, the omkara, meaning the making of om, omkaram. The dwelling has neither form nor change, it is whole. The happy day is not the day to come, but today itself. Neither tomorrow nor the day after, neither nine hours of the clock nor ten, none is the first hour or one o'clock, the hour when you realize by thought the hour is indivisible. The hour parted from the goal of life is useless. The hour parted from the goal of life is useless. Next. Gokul, these are all references to places associated with uh, Krishna, life, and pilgrimage. Gokul Nandan or Govardhan or Gokul is the station of liberation, Bhukti. The third eye is Gokul. The inner sight is Gokul. It is Matura, Vrindavan. And so again, the outer, rightly seen, um, the, the, while the outer exists, <laughs> the goal of human life is achieved by a focus on the inner. And if you think that the place has awakening, your awakening is contained at that place or by ritual and ceremony at a certain place, uh, you're missing the point that the work is internal. Next, <clears throat> search for the all-pervading in your head. Search ardently or intently and realize the eternal delight. Regard the creation in the heart. In the nada, which I think means a nadi or energy channel, in the nada of omkara lies the dissolution of the world, dissolution of the mind, which is uh, the separative, subjective mind. To give up the sense of honor and self is to attain ananda, eternal ananda, real ananda, all that is seen becomes ananda or bliss. Next, Shiva is in, the, is in Kashi. Kashi is um, Varanasi. So again, we're talking about Probably he's addressing devotees who were doing pilgrimage to Krishna uh, sites or to um, Varanasi, Banaras, also called Kashi. Shiva is in Kashi, but the Kashi is not else than the sky in the heart, Hridayakash. The mind is Kashi. Indeed, everywhere is Kashi. Kashi is eternal Atman. And that's so he's reformulating an understanding of that sacred space, sacred um, location of Varnaras. Kashi is the eternal Atman. Kashi is in the head. The ten Nadas are eternal. The subtle Kashi is Kashi of Nirvikalpa. And when I get to this on the review, I'll explain Nirvikalpa. Hardwar uh, in the north where many yogis live. Hardwar is the nine gates in the body. The heart is the seed of peace. Yajna is the tasting of the nectar of knowledge, Nyanamrita. <clears throat> so he's really talking about practice and pilgrimage, um, rightly understood internally. Page 33, Nityananda said, Skill, yukti, is walking on foot. Shakti, power, is what enters the heart. 
Sannyasa is going by rail. Sannyasi is the, the renunciate condition. Walking on foot is to wander, like the fickle of mind. The body is the rail. The passenger is the mind. Without the passenger, mind, the engine would not move. No ticket is issued. People do not collect a ticket. There is neither one class, nor second, nor third class. Mind is the peace class. The driver is buddhi. The head is the engine. The nadis and nerves are the screws. What moves in the nadis is vayu. Vayu is air or wind, <clears throat> which carries prana or is of prana. Going on, Nityananda said, It is Shiva who protects at the time of death, not Hari. In Shiva is Shakti. In Hari there is Maya. The bodies are of earth. All look outward. Shiva is the look inward, the Brahman Sudra. What is taught by another is not knowledge. Knowledge is what is realized by experience. And that's again, uh, eat what's on your own plate and don't eat what's served another. Similar to that. Next, Nityananda said, bottom of page 33, Once full peace is attained, it is no more necessary to go to any place. You do not need to see anything. It is no more necessary to go to Kashi, Banares, Ramesvaram, or Gokarn. All high vision is got in the mind. Going and coming are the delusion of the mind. With the attainment of peace, there is equality of attitude. <clears throat> to see the one self in all is liberation. That is desirelessness. For the thing in the palm, look at the palm alone. It is not found elsewhere. So everything must be ascertained in oneself. <clears throat> and finally, bottom of thirty-four, crossing over, bottom of thirty-three, crossing into thirty-four, and this will be the last I read before we do the commentary. Sunrise in the Hridayakash or sky of the heart. Sunrise in Hridayakash is the most blessed sight. As you see light in an earthen pot when you pour water into it, similarly you can see the whole of the universe within yourself. When you travel by train, all looks like moving. Likewise, the entire universe is in yourself. One knows it himself when he gets hungry. Similarly, <clears throat> all is known to the self. As a train leaves one station, a telegram is sent to the next station. A sound is produced when a stone is thrown into the well. Similarly are heard the ten sounds as Vayu courses through the nadis. Again, air or wind with prana coursing through the channels, the energy channels of the seven-dimensional body. <clears throat> so let's uh, back up at, to the top of 32. And again, the discussion is very... Um, very much a, a very one of the themes is a reframing and that reframing <clears throat> of um what the real point is <laughs> the real point of doing pilgrimage the real point of doing ritual the real point of learning or study or going to a guru or darshan what's the real point the real point is seeking uh, to achieve the goal <clears throat> the goal is desirelessness but that desirelessness um is not just, I don't want anything, or it's not quite that, even. And I don't know, because I'm not there. <laughs> so how can I say what the goal is? I can't. I can say what I think it is, <clears throat> from my perspective, not yet having achieved that goal. And that's all we can do. We can't say we know the mind of a Buddha or the mind of Nityananda. I don't. And um, only he would, or those at his level of uh, expanded awareness would. But uh, clearly... There's a reframing where <clears throat> attachment to ritual, attachment to pilgrimage, attachment to outer activity, attachment to <clears throat> book learning or hearing guru talk, uh, not knowing that it's not yet necessarily my experience. All those attachments are um, identified 
and the the mind that's seeking uh, in those ways, forming those attachments, right? The mind that says, when I go to Kashi or Banaras, then I'll have sanctity, or then a great boon shall come. And there is value to travel. There's value to meditation at sacred places, sure, of course. And yet... <clears throat> the value is simply the catalyst for the inner transformation. The value of the right ritual, the value of the pilgrimage, the value of the learning. And he's saying these are all outer. Uh, the great work is inner. If you know the great work is inner, uh, engagement with the outer won't lead to um, attachment to the outer. <laughs> That's the point. And so right rituals are fine, Practice is great. Pilgrimage is great. Listening to teachers and reading books is great. If they're good teachers and fine books and fine awakened beings. I believe that um, Adi Da, the famous Fijian, uh, Da Fri John, a uh, very interesting fellow, very high, but um, seemed to crash and burn at the end, um, <clears throat> had a, a phase of his life where he was evaluating all the materials that came to him, all the books and teachings that people would bring, the, the devotees or disciples in the community, and um, uh, rating them in a sort of um, evolutionary scale. And he could say, well, this one is uh, fully finished, and this one's not quite near, this one's very distorted, and this one has some truth, this one's sincere, and this one's a fake, this one is very clear, and this one is not. And um, that's very possible, to, to evaluate accurately the relative level of spiritual development of any source. So, beyond that, um, pilgrimage and rites and rituals and ceremony and listening to teachers and reading and dot 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 are all fine so long as one knows that they are catalysts or stimulants or uh, uh, aids, uh, support for the real work which is inner. And um, so here he says, uh, he's talking about coming to the dwelling and live, you know, take, eat what's on your own plate is similar to um, learn, um, learn the nature of your home, your own home. Uh, find your true home. And it's not an outer place, although there will be some outer locations in which one can find the inner home more readily. <laughs> That's the point. There are outer conditions, teachers with teachings, books with words, pilgrimage sites with their energetics, um, and ceremonies and rites and rituals with the specific technique. There are those that help the inner work greatly, and there are those that don't. And the purpose of those is to find your true home. The happy day is not the day to come or day or today, but today itself. Again, he's probably um, talking to devotees in the room who were planning a pilgrimage and saying, then I'll be happy. Uh, the day after, I'll have that great experience um, of coming to um, my true home out there in the physical world. And he's saying, the hour when you realize... <clears throat> The hour parted from the goal of life is useless. Uh, worrying about time or attachment to time in the sense of this is this uh, that time then I'll be free and this time now I, I can't. Um, getting, getting attached to the experience of time and dividing experience temporally can be a big problem. So I'm not fully sure what he means here. None is the first hour. He's saying that there's many and there's the one. And if you seek the one, you'll be less attached to the many, which includes the progression of many hours and the experience of time, days, past, present, future. Um, find, um, find truth now, I think he's saying. Likewise, he's talking about the pilgrimage sites of uh, Krishna devotees and Krishna lovers, Gokul Nandan and Gar uh, Govardhan and Vrindavan. Uh, the, the place of pilgrimage is awakening. 
the inner sight is Gokul. The uh, Ajna Chakra, Ajna Chakra, third eye, is the sacred space. The sacred place is uh, points of awakening in one's being. Then, and, and he clarifies again, um, differentiating, he, he's sort of making differentiate value, value judgments. Oh, so value judgments, value based discern discernment or discrimination uh, search inwardly work inwardly visit the sacred spaces inwardly <laughs> the great work is to eat what's on your plate and to come home inwardly and that in mind spirit and that means you know wherever you go is the true place as some Chinese Mahayanists would say search for the all-pervading in your head and that's similar to a lot of Buddhist teachers who would say when you do meditation or mindfulness, the object of concentration should be the nose or a sensation of breath coming going from nostrils. Uh, the traditions like Japanese Zen and some martial arts um, where the meditation is focused below the diaphragm are considered quite dangerous because one can super overcharge lower triad. The lower lower chakras. Likewise, when there's a meditation in the heart, people can get into big trouble too. Likewise, there are ways of getting into big trouble with meditation in the head, like focusing on crown or third eye. Absolutely, people can get into big trouble, <clears throat> and that's the Buddhist approach. You know, is uh, the antidote. Um, don't try to achieve uh, a high state. Just um, seek steady, uh, deepening mindfulness, which is non-attachment or detached or non-grasping awareness, attentiveness, then um, all sorts of uh, veils will fall away. <clears throat> Search intently and realize eternal delight, realize, regard creation in the heart. So the all-pervading is in the head, or by that work in the head, or creation in the heart. Uh, by, by the work in the head, we can realize the creation in the heart, like that. <clears throat> and it is there is value to um, focusing on the heart when we are interacting with people sometimes, meaning if we find ourselves a little too high, meaning a little too mental, mentally speedy, too much thought, or nervous, or agitated, or restless, to bring attention to the physical heart in the front or in the back, and be quiet, <laughs> and listen, and let the person talk or whatever. Um, and connect with them energetically at the heart chakra level. Green right transfer, actually. <clears throat> and that might settle down a restless mind to speak whatever is heartful rather than um, um, shallow from, from busy um, mental activity. Uh, in the nada of omkara, I don't know if there really is a channel of energy for omkara. It's really prior to the seven dimensions, but... Again, he's talking about uh, kundalini yoga, yoga and pranayama yoga. Uh, people can get attached to the techniques of those too. And so, there's, so there are countless <laughs> potential uh, hooks for attachment on the path in this world and in higher worlds. And there are the attachments of sensual, you know, kamatanha, uh, sensual craving in Buddhism. There are the attachments uh, associated with successful practice. <laughs> there are uh, attachments associated with, with spiritual materialism, meaning seeking to hold, seeking to achieve and hold into high states. Attachment to technique, such as thinking that technique is the goal. Technique is a means to a goal. Um, I remember sitting in a monastery and um, I learned the Japanese uh, hand mudra as left hand. This is palm in palm, you know, uh, one palm down, or both palms facing up. And I learned originally left hand uh, under right palm. So the right hand rests on the left hand, the left palm is out, the right palm is out. And so you have the back of the right hand on the palm of the left hand sitting in the lap. And I remember in some monastery, some temple, I think it was probably maybe it was Sung Sung Sanim's Korean Zen. Some guy actually carefully walked behind me during the meditation and rearranged my hands. 
because that's how he learned it, and he thought that that was important. And that was um, a little bit of an insight to um, how, how uh, people think that the technique is critical. Now, there is technique is important, uh, but there's fine-tuning and then there's um, um, ignorance <laughs> of, of what's needed. So what that guy didn't know is that that other technique is just as, just as good as his understanding of right hand down. In fact, I think there's some value to left hand down. Anyway, um, <clears throat> the point is dissolution of, of false differentiation. Uh, non-duality, right? Self-realization as non-dual awareness. Non-dual means trans-subjectivist, supra-subjectivity, beyond um, the fixed sense of personal identity, beyond identity and sixth density even, as Ross said. To give up the sense of honor and self, uh, and that's very much like conceit or eighth fetter, is to attain bliss. And this is how a lot of... Um, uh, Advaita Vedanta and Western and, and Eastern. <laughs> a lot of students of Hinduism or yoga or Advaita Vedanta have gotten into trouble with gurus who talk a lot about bliss. And Gautama never talked about it or he rarely talked about the bliss of Nirvana. He was talking about path. And Nityananda talks about path a lot too. But um, a lot of gurus talk about the nature of the goal. And that leads a lot of students, East and West, to um, uh, develop um, a framework in the mind or a, um, a somewhat rigid view in mind of the nature of the goal. And that's a problem because the goal is completely mindless. It, it really is um, beyond mind activity. I remember I once had an experience in meditation where something changed. Maybe it wasn't deathless, I don't know. But it was a moment where it was completely unknown. <laughs> there was a sense of, I have no idea what the hell this is or was. <laughs> it's really was, because in it, one doesn't know one's in it. When, and that's, you know, there is a difference between... Uh, awareness release and discernment release or not, uh, awareness release that I think is experiential, uh, transconceptual and then knowledge or uh, wisdom release, I think it's prajna maybe is the word, where one can think about it and uh, conceive it. Prior to conception there's the um, experience of a releasing by awareness breakthrough awareness non-dual but uh, there's no thought of it being non-dual only later is there and my experience was something it was so weird it was so radical it was a moment where I guess uh, perception had shut it wasn't that I didn't see the room but there was an inward sense that I have no idea what this what anything is <laughs> or I have no idea that there was no it was just so off the ra off the map. It was like I had never experienced anything like that before in its indescribability. It wasn't bliss. It wasn't joy. It wasn't unity. It was um, um, absolutely unknowable. It, it was unknowability, an experience of non-knowing or unknowability. And it was so weird <laughs> because it was very mild, uh, but it was radical. It was not upsetting. <laughs> it was not joyous. Um, it was like the purest water or the clearest air. And um, no conception of it or knowing of it was possible. And that was very strange. And, and it, was, it, had, it was generated in meditation, actually. It was in meditation. And that may be related to uh, mindlessness. Going on, Shiva is in Kashi. So again, we're talking now about um, outer place of pilgrimage, Kashi, Varanasi, Banaras. Uh, Shiva's in Kashi, and Kashi is really in Hridayakash. And so where you really, the, the true sacred spot, the sacred, the, the true sacred ground or place of pilgrimage is the heart is within 
The mind is Kashi. And so if Kashi is no other is not else than Kashi or the you know the reform reformulated or reframed understanding of Benares as a holy site of pilgrimage, we can say it's in the heart sky, but that's the mind. So Buddhi is Hridayakash, that's the point, it seems. I don't know, but I think it's not Manas, it's certainly of Buddhi, but it's also um, of, the, of uh, the heart field. And that's, you know, again, like the, the union of uh, love, wisdom, and sixth density. The love, the, the union of green-blue, the green-blue chakra, as Ra said, the blue-green chakra. And so, Hridayakash is buddhi, but that's relative too. And he says, everywhere is kashi. Now, that, that's how things get into trouble, where Buddha would say, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> there's the 31 planes, and um, there's reincarnation. And that's the relative view of time-space soul evolution. Meanwhile, uh, for the one who's finished, there's only one, there's no seven-dimensional progression anymore, so seven densities equals one light. And so that's everywhere Kashi, I think. Then Kashi is eternal Atman. So is it outer, inner? Neither. Both. It's both and neither. Kashi is in the head. Um, The mind is Kashi. It's the sky of the heart. But that's everywhere. Huh? So, uh, Kashi is in the head. The mind is Kashi. Buddhi is Kashi. But it's nowhere else than, or nothing other than, Hridaya Kash. But everywhere is that. Everywhere is Hridaya Kash. Everywhere is Buddhi. Everywhere is Atman. At that point, it's not an outer, inner, everywhere location. We're talking about <laughs> all is... Um, bliss for the one in bliss or all is Godhead for the one who sees that clearly or all is Godhead and self-real is those that have done the great work see it it's not true only for those who see it it's true for all but most don't see it so the great work is to you know uh, break break out the bottom uh, of the bucket <laughs> smash the bucket and um, remove the ceiling and um, take off the lid and perfect the seven rays. And then uh, everywhere you stand is the true place. I think uh, Lin Chi said that. So subtle Kashi is the Kashi of Nirvikalpa. And then Hardwar or the, the, the yogic sadhu place of pilgrimage is the nine gates of the body. And this is, you know, the union of samsara, nirvana and samsara, the union of form and emptiness that what appears to be many of form, nice yellow butterfly. Hello, hi, hi. Butterflies are so cute. They're so like, peek-a-dook-a-dook-a-dook, back and forth, and flap and flap. They're very happy. And then we have some big ones here, too. Uh, When there's that, when, when the doors of perception are cleansed, equals the seven rays are perfected. Then there's self-realization, but it's not a realization of a personal subjective self. It's trans-subjectivist, and it's beyond memory and identity. Just as Ross said, when they leave sixth density, they'll be free of memory and identity. So the law of one is a stepping stone to infinite awareness, or intelligent infinity, Godhead, or the Logos. And so, there's a very nice point here. He said, the heart is the seat of peace. Uh, And then down the next uh, top of 33, these these are very well organized, actually. Um, M.P. Pandit and some others um, grouped many of these verses together on the basis of uh, the, the particular teaching. Mind is the peace class. The driver is buddhi. So, uh, the body is the rail, the passenger is the mind. So, us, or our sense of identity, which is really a temporary product of the mind. You see, it's the interplay of manas and buddhi, uh, which is ultimately uh, discriminating, thought form producing uh, manas, 
and the higher mind, which is of increasing non-duality. It's wisdom. It's, fifth, it, it's very similar to fifth, sixth chakra, I'd say. The, the sixth chakra, uh, sixth chakra infused fifth chakra. <laughs> spiritualized mind, uh, deeply spiritualized mind is akin to buddhi. And uh, that's the driver for the transformation of the seven rays. There's no transformation of the seven rays or continued steady progress on the positive path, polarization on the positive path, without some spiritualization of mind, without some sense that, you know, I am that I am, or um, all that I am is greater than how I live and how I think of myself. And uh, what I seem to be now is much much more uh, constrained, conscribed, or... Um, limited what I know myself to be now or how I live and how I feel myself how I think of myself um, is a pale shadow of what I know I to be or what I trust or have faith I to be or that I is and that's not narcissism because <laughs> we're talking about I'm little and uh, the great true nature is great the true nature is great and our sense of self is quite uh, limited but um, if you want to take a train, um, without the passenger or mind, the engine doesn't move. Uh, sannyasa is going by rail. And so uh, the great path, uh, you know, I mean, in general, all souls learn, mo some slowly, some fast. 3D repeaters go slow, <laughs> and those that are spiritualizing mind go faster. Uh, but it's it's all based on seeking, and so it's a matter of spiritual desire rather than entangling binding desire or elevating desire beyond um, self-entanglement or binding with uh, <laughs> kamatana, sensual craving, and babatana, or craving for becoming. I crave that everybody looks up at me. I crave the feeling of success and wealth. I crave uh, that you that my partner always listens to me, that my partner is always what I want her to be, or something like that, or him, uh, something like that. There, there are countless, and then there are you know <laughs> reasonable desires and true core needs, as much as we can call them, or desires that are non-negotiable. Desires that are non-negotiable can be called core needs. And they, um, each one has to, everyone needs to know that for themselves. Uh, meanwhile, <clears throat> Nityananda is totally focused on the work of uh, cooking your own meal and eating it, cooking yourself, uh, cooking the seven rays, or cooking out distortion, actually. It's the distillation of love light. Uh, but if you want to go faster, uh, increasing spiritualization of mind is the way, then one finds that one is in the peace uh, class, not uh, the cl first class, second class, third class ticket, um, following buddhi or spiritualizing mind or living in, um, according to virtue and honesty, uh, one increasingly experiences the, the peace class. Now, in the uh, verse above is the word nirvikalpa, and the, the phrase here is the subtle kashi, meaning the real spiritual, true uh, Banaras Varanasi site of pilgrimage, is the kashi or Banaras Varanasi of Nirvikalpa. What's Nirvikalpa? Nirvikalpa is a word that's actually used in Buddhism and Hinduism. Wisdom Library has a very interesting page on Nirvikalpa. It's been used in uh, Hindu or Vedic philosophy. It's particularly a term uh, of yogic achievement or transformation of awareness. So let's look through it. Nirvikalpa of uh, Marathi. This is from Marathi English Dictionary. Marathi is Maharashtra and Goa, the people speaking Marathi, and Nityananda spoke it too, among some others. So Nirvikalpa has got two roots. It's near or ni uh, vikalpa, so uh, not vikalpa, of unchanging purpose, 
being without variableness or shadow of turning, without change, without mixed purpose, without shadow, not admitting of difference or otherness between or betwixt one's own spirit and divine essence, right? So knowing the unity of, of Jivatman and Paramatman, that's one's own spirit or higher self and divine essence or logos. So um, knowing the identity of, let's say, uh, knowing, the, knowing identity. <laughs> now in this case, identity doesn't mean personal identity. It, it's actually oneness, knowing oneness without choice or change or an alternative not admitting of difference or otherness, no longer perceiving um, otherness, right? There's no self and other, like Ross said, it's self and other self. Not admitting of difference, um, no longer perceiving differentiation uh, from awakening. <laughs> uh, other definitions of unchanging purpose, not admitting of difference. So this is commonly not admitting an alternative, not admitting, uh, not admitting. <laughs> That's a philosophical, you know, it's used in philosophy. So when somebody says that argument is nirvikalpa, they're sort of saying, what? <laughs> You're not admitting there's an alternative when you should be. Um, so it has philosophical usage or usage in logician debates. But uh, this this philosophical position that doesn't admit an alternative, there's only this, uh, from a uh, practitioner, <laughs> yogic practitioner standpoint, and in yoga philosophy, or understanding uh, awakening mukti, or the goal of the path, um, is non-duality. So being without determination or resolution, that's sort of indeterminate, <laughs> not capable of mutual relation, beyond mutuality, beyond relationality, right? Non-relational, trans-relational, non-dual. Conditioned, undeliberative. <laughs> eh? Undeliberative means there cannot be a deliberation. There cannot be a choice. There cannot be two. And awareness, awareness so from the yogic perspective, awareness that, that all is one. And Point six in the Sanskrit dictionary definition. Recognizing no such distinction as that of subject and object, or of knower and known, as applied to samadhi. Yes, there's nirvikalpa samadhi. That's non-dual samadhi, or awareness in samadhi beyond duality. Uh, as applied to samadhi, nirvikalpa samadhi, or contemplation, it is, quote, and this is, again, <laughs> one way of putting it, and you see, everybody speaks in uh, accord with their realization. And the ones of greater realization would potentially be able to explain uh, their experiences better than those that haven't had it. That's why I can't explain certain things. And some people will think I can explain some things. So, but only, only one's teacher knows. It is, quote, an exclusive concentration upon one entity without distinct and separate consciousness of the knower, the known, and the knowing, and without even self-consciousness. Uh, and uh, that is, uh, you know, there's a saying, Brahman's a Vedantic saying, when the knower, the known, and the means to knowledge are one, there is Brahman, that's nirvikalpa, that's nirvikalpa vijnana, or... <laughs> trans-subjectivist consciousness, um, you know, the, the union of um, the one, or the union of the many as one, where there's not even a thought, oh, this is the one, and I remember the many. Not, that's gone too. So, without distinct and separate, differentiated perception of knower, known, meaning subject, object, and knowing, without even self-consciousness. And so Ra said, right, self, uh, unified self-consciousness. Self-consciousness begins in late second density uh, and ends in late sixth density. And so at the higher levels of animal plant evolution, you've got some uh, incipient self-consciousness 
at the end of sixth density, that unified then then unified self consciousness goes away. In seventh density, they end up with freedom from identity and memory, like this nirvikalpa. Not arising from relation of qualifier and qualified, right? The subject qualifies and the object is qualified. Said of knowledge not derived from the senses. Um, when we get back to Sutta Nipata next time, next week, um, we're talking about the cessation of perception. And that may have been what I experienced, I don't know, because it was totally uh, unknowable. And that would mean um, non perceived, an experience of non perception. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it wasn't. It wasn't like the whole room turned black, and it wasn't like the whole room turned white, and it wasn't like bliss, and it wasn't um, knock my socks off. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, without hesitation or wavering, right? <laughs> Dualism is the basis of hesitation, wavering, right? Ross said the law of free will is the law of confusion. Beyond confusion, there's beyond the kalpa of uh, acknowledging or perceiving differentness and choice and better worse and uncertainty all that's finished when there's near vikalpa a sanskrit compound consisting of the words near and vikalpa uh, knowledge not to, knowledge or yana it's basically yana so near vikalpa samadhi or non-dual samadhi leads to yana or gnosis same word greek gnosis sanskrit yana not depending on or derived or derived from the senses, and so it, it literally means non-alternative. <laughs> Near is non or negation. Vikalpa is alternative. So anyway, uh, I'll send I'll include that link. It's actually very interesting, and you can look into it if you wish. So um, the statement there at the bottom of thirty-two. Uh, the subtle Kashi or Varanas, Varanaras, Benares, Varanasi, uh, sacred place of pilgrimage, is Nirvikalpa. <laughs> Do pilgrimage in non-duality, and you'll be fine. Middle page 33. It's Shiva who protects the time of death, not Hari. And again, I'm not so clear about Hari. Hari as a name for Vishnu, um, but there are other meanings. In Hari, there's Maya. I don't think he's saying there's some problem with Vishnu. I think he may be saying that there's some problem with attachment uh, to the world or phenomena. The bodies are of earth, meaning a physical body, and senses and perceive perception. All, all look outward. You know, our mind is very limited by embodiment. Very, 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 very. And so we have an embodied mind or a mind or awareness tied to this lump of red flesh, as Ninchi uh, would say. Uh, and he's talking again about outer inner and the value, the path is inner. The goal is, the goal is beyond inner outer, but the path um, is not perform is not achieved, the goal is not achieved by attachment to any outer, outer of practice and right ritual, outer of pilgrimage to sacred spaces, sacred spots, the outer of um, engagement with others, or even taking wholesale the words of teachers, uh, the teachings of books and uh, great teachers even. Make it your own, you know. Cook your own food and eat that and... Uh, he said here, knowledge is what is realized by experience. Point. Boom. We know what we have distilled as the wisdom of experience. If we don't, we can have experience without knowledge or experience without wisdom. Here, knowledge is, called, is akin to wisdom. N true knowing comes from distilled experience, or what Ra calls it the right use of catalyst. The efficient use of catalyst is the distillation of love light from catalyst, fashioning love light infused experience. And so here experience commonly, you know, 
is uh, interchangeable with the word. I mean, in the in Ra's description of the Tarot, points three and four, nodes three and four, as uh, catalyst and experience show a very clear, important distinction that catalyst is what comes up in body mind or what comes into the conscious mind uh, by way of the body sensations, by way of mental process, by way of spiritual descent uh, from higher levels or other dimensions, and the physical environment, uh, people, places, and situations. So horizontal and vertical. And the, the, the uh, rosy cross is the conscious mind. The rosy cross, the Rosicrucian, um, is the Christ principle or the conscious mind uh, sitting at the juncture of um, the vertical, higher dimensionality and the earth, and higher dimensions and 3D physical, and the horizontal of interpersonality. Uh, and all that comes through the center of the cross is catalyst, and how we use it is how we fashion experience. But you can also say that what comes to us is all our experience. And if we use it well with love wisdom or meet it with love wisdom, uh, then we gain knowledge or wisdom. And again, what is taught by another is not knowledge. <laughs> it's somebody else's trip. And that may be good for us, but uh, make it your own. Middle page 33. Once full peace is attained, it's no more necessary to go to any place. And so he's throwing cold water on the uh, enthusiastic pilgrimage community in the room. You don't need to say anything. That's why he also said it's not, not necessary for him to go to the West to do teaching because he could go there by mind while keeping his body in, uh, <laughs> in uh, Ganeshpuri or wherever. With the attainment of peace, there is equality of attitude, and that's, again, um, part of um, uh, one of the principles of his teaching. Um, attainment, uh, attainment of liberation. Because he's really talking about the end of the path. He's not talking about steps to the end. He's saying this is the goal, because he was in that being, that awareness, it's presumably. He's not talking about uh, in fifth density you get that, and sixth density you get that. He's saying here and the end. Here and the other side. Here and the farther shore on the other side after having crossed the ocean of birth and death or uh, ignorance. Uh, to, see the, to see the one self in all is liberation. Uh, and um, any kind of dualism like going and coming, or um, thinking that the outer saves, you know, Jesus saves. Well, <laughs> this would be um, Gnosis saves, Yana saves, um, freedom from ignorance saves. You save yourself. I, I think, honestly, Jesus, Yeshua would agree with that. I don't think Jesus said, you know, what? Just say, I'm your, I'm your your God or I'm your salvation and then you're saved and then what? There's no reincarnation? Well, I don't think that that's where he was coming from. Going and coming are delusions of the mind and this um, and with the attainment of peace there's equality of attitude. So equality of attitude is a freedom from attachment to differentiation and judgment and better and worse. And that's also associated with freedom from the eight worldly winds in Buddhism and some sense that if somebody says you're great and somebody says you're terrible, one isn't, one gets beyond triggering. One becomes increasingly untriggerable. No uh, emotional charge. Sure, it's nice to have somebody say I love you and it's uh, kind of great to hear somebody say I hate you. But there's a difference between that initial um, differentiated sensation or feeling in mind and getting attached to it and making a big deal out of it. So uh, desirelessness is the goal. It's peace. It involves this trans-dual, non-dual, um, non-judgmentalism. There isn't the sense, I've got to go there to get it because I can't get it here. I've got to go to Kashi 
I've got to go to the church. I've got to sit in the monastery. Uh, I've got to wear the robe. I've got to do the practice. Uh, actually, you've got to be here now, <laughs> like Ram Das said, right out of his teacher's uh, teaching. Be here now fully. And that's another matter, and um, lots of teachers talk about that. Uh, finally, bottom of page 33, sunrise in the sky of the heart or sunrise in Hridayakash is the most blessed sight. And this may have again happened, he may have been teaching in the morning or talking in the morning, hard to say. You can see the whole of the universe within yourself, but it's not the conscious mind as the self. It's the whole of the universe or all the apparently outer is known as one with the seer. The scene is the seer. The seer is the scene. And that's, you know, again, uh, we may have had some taste of it, uh, but to live there permanently or to live there <laughs> without falling away, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not that. Um, one knows it himself when what gets hungry. Similarly, all is known to the self. And that's, again, the point that nobody can enlighten you. Uh, and what you experience is for you. You can share it, but um, others won't taste it because it's only your mind experience, not their direct experience. They're hearing about it and thinking about it. You lived it. And um, uh, it also can mean that the higher self and Atman knows everything you need to know which means uh, if you have a question, ask yourself. So let me go on. We have uh, just a little bit of time. Let's see what to do. Let me finish the reading on 34. Nityananda said, If the pot is closed when the water is inside... Okay. If the pot is closed when the water inside is well heated, the steam power remains within without escaping without. Or outside. It makes so a um, heating water in a sealed vessel. It makes the sound of om as water comes out of the pump. Similarly, in the in breathing and out breathing, I think it's uh, pana apana, pana apana, uh, you should leave the wild path and take the royal road. The path upward, not down and out, up and in, in and up, not down and out, or out and down. Leave the downward course and take to the upward. That's the royal road. Attain the station of the mind. Like a train station. Going on. The boat does not move when there is no water. So too, when the vayu, the winds or the airs, similar to prana, but can be differentiated, the carrier of prana, you can say, or the some more material aspect of pranic transit or movement, so too, when the vayu is not in movement, the blood does not course. When blood does not flow, there is no agni heat. And when there is no agni or heat or fire, there is no digestion. Similarly, without agni or heat, the train does not proceed. So, the, um, the rails of manas with the conductor of buddhi seeking the station of mukti uh, at the end of the path um, uh, requires agni or fire and here it's equated to vayu which is movement uh, or air or circulation the, the um, volatile <laughs> element uh, that which um, energizes I remember <laughs> having a strange evening in Tokyo long ago some portion of Tokyo, I was trying to meet, it was very odd. <laughs> I was trying to meet somebody, and I got totally wound around and lost. And um, it was in some kind of newly built up portion near some chant, some canals or something or other, some certain portion of Tokyo where I'd never normally go. Tokyo is like insane urban over, overcrowding, overstacking. Everything is super clean and highly technological, um, but it's just a concrete jungle. Absolutely concrete jungle, endless. And, and if you take a train outside Tokyo, 
it doesn't end. <laughs> you have to go a long way before you see um, extended forests and countryside. But uh, for some reason, I got spun around, and then I ended up walking by the same abandoned lot with growing weeds twice and had some communication with the entities in there. It was very strange. It was like that was a portion that was available for the devas for some kind of angelic um, plant spirit activity, which Tokyo needs desperately. And I ended up <laughs> having some kind of inspirational talk with the devas of that uh, abandoned lot. And then thinking about the four elements and their qualities and that, that earth can be understood as solidity, stability. I mean, we're not talking about matter here. We're talking about properties, uh, prakriti, properties of, of, of phenomena. You can say it's material, but it's also properties of um, existence or phenomena. Is earth as solidity, substantiality, unmovability, and impenetrability, actually, or some relative hardness, inability to be penetrated or entered, while water is um, fluidity and the ability to receive really well. I mean, water is very receptive. It's the basis of second density on this planet. And second density is the origin of self-consciousness. And that requires a certain kind of receptivity um, in mind or in, in consciousness to develop the sense of self, a sort of in-pulling or reception. Anyway... <laughs> thinking about air and talking about fire as transformative and um, combustive. But air, um, I really had the feeling that air, air delights the plants it touches, that the leaves flittering in the wind are happy and um, rejoicing and worshiping God. They worship the divine as the air... Um, as they vibrate in response to the air um, blowing through the, the, the leaves. And that air, the element of air electrifies. It vitalizes. It uh, excites and stimulates. as has a certain <laughs> more esoteric function of vayu. So he's saying uh, when there's no vayu, there's no excitation. There's no stimulation, no vitalization. Um, one can't make the train go. The train depends on Agni, and Agni depends on Vayu. And so uh, you need Vayu, you need movement. Anyway, a couple more and then we'll end. It is impossible, Higo Nichinanda said, it is impossible to draw up water from the well without the rope for the bucket. The rope is the breath. To draw the water up the well is to draw, the up, draw up the inner breath uniformly. That can be done deliberately in a somewhat forcing way by pranayama technique. And that can also happen, will happen naturally without any force from extended anapanasati or mindfulness practice. Meaning, eventually, in, uh, if you sit long enough, <laughs> um, the breath becomes very comfortable. And naturally... Um, there will be, uh, I mean, there's a saying in Taoism, something like the Taoist breathes from his toes. And you can really feel that the breath goes way down below the lungs in meditation or when the channels are very open. I mean, I can feel the breath, breath down, you know, to the, to, <laughs> to the sacrum, down, down to a certain place that's below the diaphragm, pretty far below the diaphragm. And so one can feel the the energetic the the, the pranic complement associated you know in the body of, of the channels the nadis of the body within with inhalation when the mind is quiet and the breath is very quiet uh, very slow and deep the diaphragm has to be very soft normally that's best done naturally and that depends on many things including lifestyle and diet actually and um, nasal Sinai conditions uh, so it's really <laughs> yogic but um, drawing up the rope, the rope that carries the bucket of the water from the bottom of the well to the top is carrying prana from the root to the crown or shakti to Shiva in the head shakti pat, 
Shakti, Kundalini Shakti from the root chakra to the crown. That's similar here to the um, bucket of water carried by the rope, which is the breath. And so, pana, apana, pana, apana, pana, apana, in breath, out breath, uh, actually is referenced even in that strange movie, uh, I Love You, Alice B. Toklas, on the beach. He's actually referencing pana, apana, in a very <laughs> crazy way. So, um, and let me see, that, that'll be, I'm, I'm going to end here at the bottom of 34. Uh, so, uh, the final thing would be that second um, verse on 34. So all of 34, he's really talking about Vayu, air or wind, and the nadis, channels, and the need for um, Shakti in the root to unite with Shiva in the head, uh, and the need for movement or uh, breath and practice, and um, this um, training, whether it's um, Buddhist mindfulness practice or yogic pranayama practice, kriya yoga, and all sorts of techniques, and Taoists have their own, uh, it's, uh, as he said, leaving the wild path and taking the royal road upward. So... Attachment to the outer is the downward course. Seeking transformation of the inner is the upward course. Um, and the mind directed down and out to, the, to attachments and craving of the material world or the world of thought is uh, down and out uh, or that which keeps uh, souls circulating in third density. While um, the royal road, I think, he means uh, being upward is um, seeking spiritualization of mind or the work on green, blue, indigo. So, and to some degree, like in medieval alchemy, the vessel must be sealed to some degree. And that's the value of the tongue at the roof of the mouth and closing the mouth and breathing through the nose in practice as well as silence during retreat, as well as certain trainings and practices and disciplines. Um, some things should never be said, <laughs> uh, and some, uh, some letting out of pressure may create problem, while over-sealing over and binding um, pressure is also a problem. Anyway... Uh, as you can see, uh, he very much understands the alchemical nature of seven chakra transformation. So next time we'll start at the bottom of 34 and um, take the next few pages. So I hope this was helpful and I hope you're well. So thank you again and see you next time. And good night.